Welcome. You're listening to Full Quiver Parenting. We're your hosts, Lydia and Stephen Braun. And here we talk about the importance of parenting that takes God at his word so that when we face trials and oppositions and meet our enemies at the gate, we are prepared to do battle with the spiritual powers of darkness, demolishing strongholds and arguments as we take every thought captive for Christ. Hello and welcome to another week of Full Quiver Parenting. And this week we're going to be talking about children. <laughs> Big surprise. <laughs> That's every single episode, but specifically... Children in... Church. Do they belong? Oof. Okay, here we go. This takes us back to the beginning of our journey Let's of start parenting. at the very beginning. A very good place to start. Sorry, I'm on, in a mood tonight. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and I... Uh, the decisions you make as, you know, when, when you're starting out as a parent, you're fresh on everything. Everything is new. And I remember those early months and, you know, first time taking Mariah to church and everyone being happy seeing the new baby and everything. And then wondering, okay, what does it look like to raise a child in the faith? And how do we, how do we go to church with children? Mm-hmm. And how does that work? Yeah, and we had definitely, each of us, grown in, up in different circumstances for what church looked like. You want to share yours first? Yeah, so I was in a church that, uh, I'm going to use the phrase siloing. That's kind of a technical term that's been used in Christian circles. When it comes to having places for children to worship, and have Sunday school. Usually it's the same thing in most churches. And be raised up in the faith, but it's like they have their own place that they go and they have their church. So there's like the fourth grade church, and then there's like the junior high church and the high school church, but they're not really doing things together. Mm-hmm. And so that was that was the... Uh, the form of church that I grew up in was that I had my own class that I would go to while my parents would go and worship in the sanctuary and us kids would go to our own spot. And it went all the way up through high school. And even they even had college programs too for young adults that they would have their own separate programs. So my experience of church was everyone goes to their age appropriate places to do their thing with God. Mm. Which sounds so weird, just the way you just described that, but it's a- accurate, like yeah. a lot of churches do. And I grew up in a very different uh, environment. So my parents uh, became parents later in life. They got married in their mid-30s, and um, my mom was 40 when I was born. And they decided it doesn't make sense for children to be in their own separate spaces they need to be in god's house so we're going to bring them into god's house and they (laughs) as our youngest says um that it was very important to them saying um that they wanted the god's word to be the thing that defined our lives as opposed to the world so even at at a young age they decided we're going to read all of the bible we're not going to cut out points and parts that are uncomfortable or like r-rated we're going to read it all that way because we would rather have god's word be the one telling these things to our children than them finding it from the world 
And so they were very serious about, yep, we're going to read all of Leviticus. We're going to read all of Numbers. We're also going to read Ezekiel, all of it. We're going to read all of the good, bad, and the ugly, and it's all going to be there. <laughs> David committing adultery. What's adultery, Mom? Anyway, um, and so all of that, they were intentional to teach us out of the Bible, and we were always in church. We were always, <laughs> my dad was a pastor when I was very young, and it was my mom sitting in the front row with all of us and my dad made a intentional decision that he wouldn't sit up front because that was the general normal rule but he would come down and sit with us after he did whatever he needed to do that sunday he would come and sit with us in the in the front row pew and that was something very countercultural to the church of the time Okay. And we did not go to Sunday school during service. And if we did go to Sunday school, it was something outside of the service time. So that was how I had been raised. And when our oldest, I was going to say youngest. Our oldest when she was young. Yeah. Our oldest when she was young came, uh, came into the world. We would take her to church as a little infant, like this little guy who's making all kinds of noises right now. And I remember older ladies in the church being like, she's so precious. Do you want to take her to the nursery? Like, we'll take her to the nursery. And I... There were two things going on. One, I felt like, I don't even know you ladies, so you're going to take yeah, my we, kid. We had just moved to the area, yeah. so we we weren't super familiar with the community, and so just that one of like, let's get to know people first. And then secondly, it was that picture of, you know, we, we asked the question, why do we why do we separate out? Why, why do we have to have the children away from the service in order for the adults to be able to worship God. Correct. And I understand as a mom, like there are moments when you go, Lord, I just want to have a time when no one's pulling on me. No one wants to nurse on me. No one was asking me a question or having a meltdown when I'm trying to hear God's word. And it is difficult. I do admit at points, but it also is training up in discipline. And, um, we decided at that young age for her, we're going to have her in church. And people felt uncomfortable about it because sometimes she'd make noises and we'd sit in the back because people felt uncomfortable. It was so funny because there was one sermon I remember specifically where he was talking about original sin and how even young babies will, um, like, they are not born innocent. They are still sinners. And she screamed out because she wanted something and didn't get it. And she made this, like, loud scream. And everyone laughed and they're like, yep, I guess she agrees with me. <laughs> but it's Perfect even... Perfect timing. Yeah, but it's like the Lord even uses little people, little people, little children to uh, speak forth his praise as he says on what triumphal entry and he's entering Jerusalem. Jesus says that. So that was my experience. Yeah. And I, I remember actually reading an article uh, from uh, early, early 1900s uh, that there was this pastor and there was a, a very young child, infant, uh, at the church making lots of noises during the service. And he was asked afterwards, you know, how do you feel about this baby making all these noises and stuff? And he said, well, I guess they had more important things to say concerning the Lord than I did on that day. And it was just like this. It was an interesting article to see and perspective of, you know, the... You know, you kind of use the illustration of out of the mouths of babes mm -hmm. uh, comes praise for the Lord and saying that what he was trying to say is that all are welcome into God's house. And I think that that has really left the culture mm -hmm. that it's not appropriate. And I think that as as 
the the 21st century church has moved a lot more into a performance of worship religiosity that, that you can't get in the way of the show so to speak and i'm kind of using i guess crass words for those things but coming coming from a minister background i that that is a lot of times how how things are talked about i remember doing interviews for music pastor positions and i sent in some video recordings of of me leading worship and them saying you know you could really have better you know lighting systems and a better videographer putting this stuff together so that it's a better presentation for your your interview videos and i was like yeah the church i was at didn't have the budget for that kind of equipment so these are the videos we have and it's like why do we have to have flashy performance to show what it means to lead in musical worship in god's house but i have just seen that throughout so much that our consumeristic society looks at what can i get out of church rather than what am i giving to god worship is a time that it's making a sacrifice and offering to the lord so are we going there to get something for us or are we going there to give something to god mm -hmm. and if we come in that perspective of we're going to give something to god why are we keeping children from being able to give something to god and i think that's where it comes in you know that the famous passage from matthew 19 where uh the disciples are keeping the children coming to Jesus. Uh, I'll, I'll just read the passages. It's Matthew 19, starting in verse 13. Then some children were brought to him, so that he might lay his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Let the little children alone, and do not hinder them from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And after laying his hands on them, he departed from there. That's from the Legacy Standard Bible. It's nothing new. You know, I, I can I call out these tendencies in the culture, but it's it's nothing new. You know, in this instance, the disciples, they go, Jesus has more important things to do than to spend time with these children. And, and the word for children here, it's like it's like babes. It's it's the, the really little ones. And they're saying he's got more important fish to fry. And Jesus stops in that moment and says, no let them come to me and he takes that moment with them and he's with them he, and and not only does he he bless them he doesn't just say no 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 bring them here we'll we'll stop and do this but he he makes that point and says for such as these belongs the kingdom of god that's that's big and so are we allowing the ones to whom the kingdom of god belongs to are we allowing them to enter into the house of god to worship or are we putting them in a space where, you know, it's quote unquote age appropriate for them, where they'll understand the lessons. But really what I find more of is that it's not about age appropriateness and understanding lessons and, and teaching them. It's more about let's keep the service orderly. Let's keep the children out and keep the children entertained because kids just don't have the attention span to be able to sit through a service. And I want to talk about that because I went to Africa and in Africa, their worship services are an offering. They stop everything for three hours where they will sing and they will have a sermon for like an hour and they will sing more and they will praise God. And guess who is there? The babies. 
All the people are there. Everyone is there for three hours. And somehow they don't all explode. And, you know, there's there's not pandemonium. But something I wanted to say with this, this is, I think, getting to the heart of a lot of it. The reason I think that we don't want children in church is because it's inconvenient and painful. Meaning that as a mother in our culture, a lot of times the performance is everything. Like I grew up with five kids and we were expected in the front row to be quiet and to behave well. And even now, like my kids in church, they behave pretty well. But I keep being like, ah, oh, shoot, now they did it again. Like that, my kid is doing this and it's disruptive and, and like I have to take him out and blah, blah. And there's so much shame involved in it. And we go, why are we being ashamed? Why do we feel shame when our child needs to be disciplined in God's house? Why is that shameful? As opposed to exactly what better place to have them learn discipline and respect than in God's house. And so often we're afraid of what (laughs) fear of man will prove to be a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So often we are actually more afraid of what other people will think than what God thinks. And that is the real crux of the whole matter. Because if Jesus says, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for such belong the kingdom of God. And not only did he bless them, he took them in his arms. He took the time to carry these little babes and bless them. If the king of the whole universe is going to stop and slow down to carry this, the little babes, why don't we? Because often, I mean, even in talking of the whole, as we've talked about, um, birth control or inhibiting life, again, it's the idea that they're an inconvenience to our life as opposed to a great glory for us to be entrusted with these little lives. When Jesus says, these, the, the kingdom of God belongs to these little ones, and that the angels who guard these little ones see the face of your father in heaven. Like how, do not look down on these little ones. It's like, oh, okay, Lord, that's true. But in our own hearts, how often we do that. Like at a certain point we go, oh, we're more important or what we have to say is more important. But how great a ministry would it be to see a pastor instead of, because <laughs> I've heard this one before, will some will, will some usher help that mom whose kid, I've, oh, I, I heard this and drove me crazy. Well, some uh, usher help that mom whose kid is screaming, you know, get help. Thank you. Really meaning, will you help that mom get out of this sanctuary so that I can keep talking? What would it look like instead for the pastor to care for his flock? And like, there have been times in teaching where I've seen in, um, like in college or university settings where a mom is coming with her infant and the teacher will bring the infant to the front and hold the baby and teach from there because there is a value for caring for life and for the little ones being welcome. I did a one, um, what is it? Master's program course, course class in when Stephen was going in seminary and the, I told him, I was like, I'm going to bring my baby. And he said, absolutely bring your baby. He was so excited that I brought my baby to the class and she was back there in the back and we'd sit and she'd coo and she'd do whatever. And I learned in the class and it was great, but it was that holistic approach to what is it, what does it look like to be learning? And what does it look like for the whole family to be a part of worshiping the Lord? Yeah. And, and that's something that I think is hugely valuable is teaching our children what 
worship is what it looks like and and they children learn from modeling yes and so if we're gonna silo them and put them with a bunch of kids their own age who are jumping up and down are you also don't understand what it looks like and you take out all of the people in the room who are modeling what worship looks like how are they supposed to know what it is when they just have a teacher saying this thing and then you know, trying to hold their attention when they're more interested in what each other are doing. And it's like, okay, now let's go do a craft and let's go play a game because we don't know how to, you know, hold on to their attention because we're using volunteers to teach who aren't, you know, accredited teachers who have pedagogical skills necessarily to hold on to the attention of a child at different ages that we don't have professionals trained for that. Why, why do we just disable the body of Christ from being able to function as the body of Christ by, you know, plucking out the arm in one place and putting it over here and the nose and putting it over here and the eyeballs over here, when we could bring the whole body of Christ Mm -hmm. together in worship. And this is one of the things that I've seen a lot is that when kids are given the, the, when you release children to quote, be children, what it actually does is it um, inhibits them from learning. And meaning that when you give them, uh, children's church it's the idea that they can't understand what the pastor's saying which also means that probably the parents don't know what the parent of pastor's saying either because <laughs> i mean let's be honest if he's talking some theological concept and you're like i have no idea what he's talking about like that's cool but how is it going to actually impact my life in any way as a mom who's dealing with spit up on my shirt all day and a kid puking and like how is it going to help me practically serve the Lord and worship him in my day-to-day life. And so the children often help (laughs) the pastor, the shepherd, to identify the actual needs of the church. And one of the things is when you take them to uh, to children's church, then what do they do? They hype them up with a whole lot of, let's sing praise songs. So they're going to jump up and down, get all the energy out. Yay. Now we're going to sit down and do a lesson. And then we're going to take them back into church. And they have to be quiet. Yeah. So what are you teaching them? Because we think of it usually during like the prayers or something. Yeah, they're they're learning. Oh, church is boring. That's what they learn. Church is boring. I hate church. It's boring. Why do they say it's boring? Because we've conditioned them to believe that church is boring. Yeah, because they're not able to handle sitting there and mm-hmm. you know doing some things. But yeah, it's that picture of you know what what are we what are we conveying to them? And then we wonder when they you know get to college age and they leave the church because they were never taught the importance or longevity of it because they graduated out of the fun stuff and now they're in the space where well i guess i guess my faith looks like the boring adult stuff and i didn't really know how to do that i didn't really fit into that anyway and so why am i going to stay and be a part of something that i was told that I wasn't welcome to and I was told that it wasn't for me in all that time and now all of a sudden I'm supposed to be with that and we wonder why kids stop going to church maybe it's not maybe it's not just because of the things that they're learning in college that's challenging their faith that they really didn't build a solid foundation with in the first place but maybe they also just don't see the point of that you know, rhythm of going to worship 
on Sundays or Saturday nights or whatever, that they, that they just have never been shown the value of that. And that it's not just about what they're getting out of it. It's not just about the, the goldfish crackers and the juice that they get at the end of the, the Sunday school and the little craft that they made, that they're there to worship the living God. But something else I want to talk about is that this whole idea of Sunday school began with D.L. Moody because he had a whole bunch of street children who had never been in church. And so it was a pedagogical tool to teach them the word of God so that they weren't just sitting in church going, what the heck is he talking about? Yeah, they didn't have parents to, to model yeah, for them. Yeah, none. And that's why the whole Sunday school... And, and the point was to get them in, into the church. Yes. And that was the whole reason why Sunday school was invented in the first place. But now what it's become is it's a babysitting practice. And the thing that makes also churches do it is the uh, getting people in the door. If there's no Sunday school, the parents aren't going to come. Right? Right? Because it's inconvenient. Because it's inconvenient. And, and what are they going to get out of the service? And what is my child going to do in service? And that's not that's dangerous because people will look down on me. As opposed to, church, what would it look like? If there are people who don't have kids or even parents who do have kids that you welcome and help those parents whose kids are unruly in church because they've never been there before. What would that look like? Such a different... <laughs> yeah, you know, in, in walking to church that you see all these families sitting together worshiping the Lord. I wonder what that picture would look like. Yeah. For a newcomer to see that that has a, a family and rather than, you know, saying, oh, we have... We have these spaces that you're going to take your kids. Again, going back to us, when we had our first kid, we've been going to this church for a handful of months before then. But even for us, it was like, you know, I don't know if, I, if I'm comfortable with having somebody else that I don't really know watching my newborn child. You know, this is the, the most precious thing in my life that uh, it's just come into our life. And I'm not sure if I'm ready to just hand them over to somebody else to care for. Yeah. And so do you really, is that really the welcoming thing to, to say, oh yeah, you're that, this one goes to here, this one goes there, this one goes here, or why don't we all just come in and you're welcome together as a family into the house of God. And we were definitely the oddballs and it was, I think people felt very uncomfortable. Like, what are we supposed to do? Like they have kids here and you're in church and what, (laughs) it was so funny. It's like, you just let us sit in church, I guess. I don't know. But then going on to uh, when you were in seminary. Yeah, so I want to I want to talk about the experience of saying, okay, so this this is the idea of like, what is it like to actually worship in church? And now the question is, well, does it actually work? You know, can your kids actually learn to sit through the service? And more importantly, are they actually learning being raised in the faith? Are they learning? Are they able to learn what it means to worship, or is it just all going over their heads? And this is where the the rubber really met the road for us, was in seminary. So the seminary I went to was an Anglican seminary, and they had chapel services before and after the classes of morning prayer and evening prayer. It's basically uh, a very structured morning service and evening service every single day. And then they would actually have a equivalent of a Sunday service every single Wednesday for the whole school. And we had two kids at the time. When, when we moved out there for seminary, our, our youngest was brand new. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, because we, we, we had moved in and we were just behind the chapel yeah. where our house was. So I went, hey, I could take the girls with me to chapel, then take them back to the house and go to class. And that would give you 
a little bit of a break while I was in class all day and, and you could do, you know, some things for yourself and I could watch the kids and I'd have more time with the kids. So I was like, hey, this seems like a, a win-win. And so I started taking him and just thinking, hey, you know, I, you know, I, we had built in that practice of taking Mariah into church service. So I was like, okay, I can, I can handle taking them to this chapel service. that's about 40 minutes long or whatever. And so we, we started doing that and that just kind of became the pattern. Well, Mariah was just at the age where she was just starting to say phrases and things like that. And not too soon into it, she started saying the prayers. It was very liturgical pattern. So there were, there were prayers that were said that were the same every time. They'd say things like the Apostles' Creed, every service. The Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer. And pretty quickly, she started saying these prayers at two and doing these things at, un, under two yeah she was she was like i think she was like 17 months old when she started like saying these things i was like whoa that's kind of crazy and you know fast forward to the next year and her little sister hannah she's saying it even earlier and doing these things because now she's this is all she knows she's literally like from like a month old she's been going to these chapel services every single day and so it just became the norm for us to do those things. Now, there were challenges a lot. I mean, I remember like with Ryan that first year at the church, you and I would kind of take turns going out into the lobby of the church and kind of sort of half listening to the sermon. And then the, the church that we were at in seminary, uh, the first church that we were starting to, to worship at there, we would go down to the basement and like one of us would sit up with and listen they want to take the kids down the basement and oh, it was usually with the it was. it was usually like with the four-month-old who's figured out that they can use their voice <laughs> yeah and so you know there are definite challenges and on the the chapel services i remember i would take them to different places but i remember there's there was a basement area in the chapel at the school and it was it was like the family room and it was just loaded with toys everywhere any toy you could possibly imagine and then they had a, a live feed tv of the chapel service and i remember i took the girls down there one time and it was just you know kid in the candy shop was pulling all the toys and had no care whatsoever what was happening in the service and i went okay no they this is like you're just filling this with temptations for them to not be focused on the Lord. And then every time they're like, oh, we're going to act out upstairs so that we can go downstairs. Yeah. yeah. And so I was like, okay, no, this is done. So we said, this is not going to be a space you go to. And so I was like, this, it's a no, no space. You can't go down to that, that place. And so they kind of had to learn that discipline of being in that place of being quiet when it was time to be quiet of standing was time to stand sitting and kneeling was time to kneel singing when it's time to sing but there are things for them to do and participate in because they had the prayers to recite and all these things and pretty soon they they loved it i mean i remember like the thing that we do for discipline if they were acting up like beforehand and getting ready it was like, okay you're not going to be able to go to chapel today and they would just be devastated and the next day, they'd be sure to obey on that thing that they had done because they wanted to go to chapel with mm -hmm. Daddy. And so, I uh, all that to say, like we learned quickly that two things there. Yes, one, kids are more than capable of doing the things that we teach them to do. They do not have short attention span. They have as much attention span as we are willing to have attention span for them. 
I think really it's not them. I think it's us. I think we're the ones who have the short attention span because the more disciplined we are in, in our attention, the more disciplined I see my children in their attention on things. So they're more than capable of doing that. Yeah, it takes time and it's a muscle that you have to work. It's something to grow in discipline and training and it takes repetition, but they are more than capable of doing it and they actually enjoy doing it. That's a really a key one. Yeah. And so then talking about, you know, are they getting something out of it? Well, at least we learn in that space that, yeah, they're certainly getting something out of it. They're able to recite the things that they're learning and the the liturgy of the, the Book of Common Prayer that we were doing the services out of, most of it is, you know, straight out of the Psalms and, and direct quotes from Scripture. So it's like, hey, at the very least, they're getting a lot of Scripture memory in just from, you know, the mere fact of being there. And that's a win in and of itself. But the other question is, is it actually, is it reaching them? Is it getting into their hearts and penetrating into uh, their spirits? Or is it going over their heads? And this is when we had a really, really, I think, just mind-blowing incident with Mariah, again, our oldest. She was, what, three years old at the time? I think so, yeah. Yeah, we were going to a an adult Sunday school class, and the pastor was talking about some pretty pretty heady uh, ideas and topics, and it was talking about um, you know sin and how that separates us from God, and he was using some big theological terms for all these things, and you know how is it that we you know who are sinful who are separated and cut off from God who can't be in the presence of a holy God. How do we then, how are we able to be brought before God? And we had been turned on to a, a TV program uh, from one of my professors in seminary, uh, What's in the Bible with Buck Denver. It's uh, from Phil Vischer, who's the creator, uh, original creator of VeggieTales. And it walks through all the books of the Bible for kids. Amazing, amazing series if you haven't heard about it. I highly, highly recommend it. I, I learned things from it. Uh, as, just, an adult. as an adult like, so oh. it's it's incredible but there was a phrase that was used in one of the programs and it was we couldn't go to god and so god had to come to us god with us emmanuel and i was sitting there with us in this adult sunday school and she came and, and whispered in my ear yeah, she whispered it and uh, and we're like, raise your hands. Because he was like looking for someone to call their hands. And so she raised her hands. And she said it. We, that phrase, we couldn't go to God. So God had to come to us. And everyone like kind of laughed. And they're like, oh, that was so cute. And they're like, oh, did you tell her to say that? And we're like, no. She, she said that. That was something she learned herself. And they're like, oh, really funny. Yeah, no, you told her to say that. Nobody would believe that she, had, she had made that connection at three years old and i was just my my mind was blown from that point on and and there were just so many I, that that's probably the biggest one that i can think of that just really is stuck with me such a young age having such a profound answer uh to you know the ba i mean it was it was the, the picture of the gospel right there and she was able to convey it in such simple terms that she had been able to make that connection from the time she had spent in church, time we'd spent in, in reading scriptures to her, and time watching uh, this Buck Denver show. 
and that she had put those things together and it was like wow okay kids are capable of so much more than we are really willing to allow them to be when we think about this you know kids in school like i i think i see those uh uh those videos of of kids for the what suzuka suzuka or is it suzuki method? suzuki uh of of music in in japan i i'm watching i should know i was a music student but anyway you see like these prodigy kids at you know three four five years old that are playing these masterpieces uh, you can see like a kid playing uh uh paganini on the violin and it's like what so if kids are able to do these kinds of things, if they're capable of that level of skill and talent, surely, surely they can understand the promises of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's all we have for tonight. <laughs> but um, I just want to encourage us as parents that our children, when we allow them to be in God's house, the Holy Spirit is the one who's convicting them as well as us. And there have been times even now in the church we're in where my daughter will say things that just blow my mind. Like, I want to ask God to forgive me for this. And I want I want to trust in Jesus this way. I want to give him this. And they have such a tender heart for giving. Like they hear of someone's need and they're like, oh yeah, we'll pull out our piggy banks. All the money we've been saving up to buy that toy or granola is our favorite thing. <laughs> And it's a special granola. Anyway, um, but they will pull it out and be like, yeah, go give it to this this thing or go give it here so that these kids can have, you know, a meal over in Africa or wherever the, the ministry that people are doing is. And they have such a tender heart for that. But part of that is as they've been in God's word to identify and hear what he has to say, what's important to them, what, what's important to him for them to hear. So, yeah. Yeah. God speaks to our kids, and children are certainly fit for coming into the house of the Lord. And who are we to deny them entry into God's house? So I encourage you, if you've been thinking about the idea of worshiping together as a family, yes, it takes time. It's a, a muscle to develop, but we have seen such blessing for our family in that and how it has impacted our children how it's impacted us and also how it's impacted the churches that we've been a part of in seeing that picture and i think that if more of us live into that space and allowing the church to be the full a more full expression of the body of christ um, you know, I, I think that things of like diversity of worship we see in, in Revelation, all nations and all tribes and tongues coming together to worship. I think we also need that expression of all generations, all ages coming together to worship the Lord. And I think it's a better picture of what is to come and what we are, what we are destined for, what we are designed for. Thank you for listening to Full Quiver Parenting. If you enjoyed today's podcast, we'd love for you to leave a comment and a review. Remember, a full quiver is not a number, but a spirit of openness to welcome the children God gives us, whether of our own flesh, through adoption, or of spiritual descent. To get more involved in our community, join our group Full Quiver Parenting on Facebook. See you next time.